Hello, hello, hello. We're just two normal dudes trying to live this Jesus life. My name's Josh. Hey, I'm Andrew, and we are This Jesus Life Podcast. Josh, we're back, my friend. We are Andrew, back. Andrew. How you doing? We are back. Dude, I couldn't be doing better. Yeah? Uh, at least right now in this moment, I couldn't be doing better. Yeah. So there's that. Right. It could change from you know moment to moment, hour to hour. Uh, right. But right now in this moment, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, probably because we've spent the last, you know, whatever time just catching up. Um, but right, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't complain. Yeah, man, dude, I gotta get some Starbucks egg bites because um, I don't think I've eaten those in a really long time. And seeing how happy you are right now after having some for <laughs> breakfast, <laughs> you—that's the best commercial you could get, you know. So the I'm gonna check those like- out. <laughs> Egg bites. The first time I ever ate egg bites. Go get some. Yeah. Sure. I'll do that. And we're back. (laughs) Um, Just kidding. Uh, Yeah. The first, I remember having the egg bites the first time and I almost threw up. Really? Just the the texture, the idea (laughs) just, just sounded gross and I couldn't do it. Yeah. And then I probably didn't try them again for a solid two, three years. Uh, And then, yeah, got on this kick again where you're like just trying to cut carbs out of your diet. Mm. Uh, in the nicest way possible and not just like right. all of them because let's be honest right. carbs are the best they uh, are the best that's why we eat yes uh, so i was like well i'll cut i'll just do the eggs and that's i just usually do omelets at home but um now that i wanted starbucks this morning which let's be honest i want starbucks <laughs> most mornings right um yeah it's become an egg bites thing yeah that's fair. Well, but. my breakfast was simply two granola bars. It's so funny, man. I get up. I most most mornings I get up uh, first because Catherine usually wakes up before her sister, um, and I usually wind up hopping up with her, getting her breakfast. And the last recently, her younger sister Charlotte, we started giving her um, breakfast. We started giving her people food, actually. So you like, weren't giving her any breakfast before. Well, she she was only, yeah, she was fat. (laughs) No, she was, no, uh, she just was only nursing, but she just hit six months. So she's like old enough and can sit up well enough and all that stuff. So anyway, dude, so we, um, she's been eating food. So like I'll get up and I'll make a bunch of breakfast, you know, for, for the girls and sometimes for Jana, but I don't get hungry till like 10, 10 30 or 11. So I just usually don't eat anything. So like you saw me pound two granola bars before we started because I'm like, I'm hungry now, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's fun watching like little ones, uh, love food. Like Catherine's Catherine this morning wanted peanut butter and jelly toast with a cheese quesadilla and, um, and some other like, and macaroni, mac and trees, uh, macaroni with broccoli mixed in. And because we can get, you guys are like a full service kitchen. No, no, no. I, I will make whatever you want. No, I did peanut butter toast and some, uh, some, uh, melon for her, but no, I didn't do that. But that's what she wanted. I'm like, this is such a crazy, like, that's such a crazy breakfast. You're like, child, order. do you not know there's certain <laughs> foods we're only allowed to eat in the morning, and yeah. the other foods you have to wait because, yeah, you know, McDonald's doesn't start selling, you know, hamburgers until 10 a.m. or whatever it is, 10 30 exactly. or 11, whatever. exactly. And those are the moments where you want to make up rules as a parent, where you're like, yeah, yeah, if Chipotle <laughs> catches us serving breakfast quesadillas. They won't ever sell food to us again, <laughs> you know, like stuff like that. And I'm not gonna lie, I do make up rules like that. Like the That's entire funny. week at the beach, even at the beach house, Catherine was terrified that if she broke the rules at the beach, the lifeguards would come and get her. Uh, <laughs> it started as like just explaining. <laughs> we started by just explaining what lifeguards do if you're like having trouble swimming in the ocean, and then we realized she was like. I don't want that to happen to me. And then like she was being deterred with something. That's and we're like, funny. Hey, you got to be careful. No throwing snacks or the lifeguards are going to come over here. And she's like, Oh, yeah. and then, like, and then, and then you it. drop it on her when she's being really yeah. bad that her mom is actually a lifeguard. Um, <laughs> Ironically, she's like, no! way less intimidating to her than a stranger. Who's a lifeguard. So <laughs> yeah, man, 
the things you do your in wife parenting didn't pull out her old lifeguard by. uniform and her whistle <laughs> yeah dude that would be awesome that'd be awesome we'll save that for when things really get uh bad and we gotta really bring in a lifeguard throw a wig on jana i remember i remember when jana told around me the that corner. she was that she used to be a lifeguard and yeah like the picture i had in my head you're like oh yeah, one hundred percent. I can see Jan as a lifeguard. That fits your personality so well. <laughs> ah, this is a rule follower, making sure everyone else is following the rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, you gotta. Somebody's gotta. You know, we can't all be having That's a good true. time all the time. And, that is true. Uh, you mess up. You mess up around the beach or at the beach house, and uh, you're gonna have a gaggle of lifeguards coming in and dragging you yeah, out of there. You're gonna be careful so, of those lifeguards. Uh, yeah. Their authority is pretty intense. We jump in. We let me transition with the story of Facebook being total dumpster fire. Um, so I we are talking about kind of faulty attributes of God. This is part two. Um, as you know, if you were listening last week, we uh, we put up part one and we made it through a couple of them, um, but we have a few to go. And one of them, I'm excited is, to hear how you connect these. How connected yeah. is to Facebook to being a dumpster fire? I'm sitting yep. here in anticipation. Yeah, as you should be. Um, <laughs> dude, so uh, the the faulty assumption of it's your job, it is your job to defend God. It is your job to defend as a Christian is one that we're going to talk about. And I was thinking about this because last night uh, my wife went to bed really early, and I'm like, well, I'll just climb in bed. And I was hanging out and like you know had like an hour to kill. Cause I wasn't tired yet. So I was listening to a podcast and like, you know, I don't get on Facebook much. I'll, I'll check that out and, uh, hopped on there and man, Facebook is a dumpster fire, man. There's occasionally, (laughs) there's occasionally just like, you know, like there's good updates and like, Hey, like awesome. You had a kid or like you're doing this cool trip or whatever. There's some of that, but dude, I think that like 70% of my news feed on Facebook is just like either Christians being like, here's some Bible verses about uh, why you absolutely have to get vaccinated. And then there's some other ones like, here's some Bible verses about why you're evil. And here's some other stuff about politics. And by the way, let me bring this in. Dude, it is just constant. And, and I don't believe either of those things. I'm sitting there like, Hey, I'm, trying to think for myself over here um and so as tempting as it is to engage in that type of stuff i'm like you're obviously just throwing mud at one another and what somebody might put out there as like a strong defense of god and their opinion uh or their their mindset might actually just be them wanting to be like i want to bash somebody's opinion and i want to do it out there as my strongly held belief and uh and just see what happens you know like that i just feel like that's the that's the thing it's like it's just well it's a platform where you can just like throw mud at one another from slight a distance and say things that are maybe more harsh than you would if you're talking you know or sitting across the table but yeah, man, I uh, I like Facebook for Marketplace, but the rest seems to be a dumpster fire. Well, and, um, <laughs> and it's even worse if you jump on the Twitters. Um, I don't even have a yeah, Twitter account where I deleted it. Not that I was on Me Twitter either. a lot, but mm-hmm. um, like it, it's this idea that you, <laughs> I don't know people they think their opinion matters, <laughs> uh, and then there's these this Christian segment of of Facebook that. They think their opinion matters, but then they also use God as their like trump card, uh, mm-hmm. even though they don't understand the theology behind what they're trying to say. Uh, they're just trying to make a point that's really just their opinion with you know verses that they quickly googled and found uh, that somewhat relate to what they're talking about. At least it sounds like it, so they can try to defend that position. Um, yeah, the world would be a much better place if we just all realized nobody cares what your opinion is. <laughs> Yeah, like, like the, just, the just moments people world. care what your opinions are are when you're actually in relationship with them and say, hey, like, Josh, what do you think about that? And like, do you think I'm making the right choice? Says, do you think I should yeah, know anything says, I don't says know? two guys like, that have a podcast and we think our opinion yeah. matters, but we're yeah. just saying <laughs> your opinion Listen, doesn't matter. <laughs> well, your opinion when you're coming from a place of 
half the people that see this are total idiots in my perspective, that's when it doesn't matter. <laughs> it well, my, then, that's yeah. my take. Well, then it gets Obviously, out of control. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Then it gets out of control where the you know the comment thread goes nuts, and you're like, "Why did exactly. you engage it in the first place? Like, let yeah. Karen be Karen." Um, this is what happens when you you get the crazies out of the the insane asylum. <laughs> like they're uh-huh. going to control everything. So stay out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> off Facebook. It's funny. I, I got on Facebook uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, what was I looking for? I don't know. I was looking for something, and uh, uh, I had like tons and tons of friend requests. And yeah. you like feel kind of obligated to like accept them. Um, but then you're like, no, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not accepting any of these. Like, no. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, you're, gosh, I'm on Facebook again. You'd just uh, be inviting you know, them to look at your old stuff, you know? Like, yeah, it's man. I, Apparently, uh, my Instagram uh, goes to Facebook, which I didn't realize was turned on. I think mine um, does, too. Because I was talking about something. I was like, yeah, I just yeah. post to Instagram. And they're like, or no, I said, I'm not on Facebook anymore. And they're like, are you sure? I just saw a post from you. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, uh, it auto posts. Like, oh, that's my Instagram post. Tricky Instagram and Facebook. So I'll tricky. Give my stuff. At some point, let's be honest, we're all going to get off every platform because we just realize the unhealth of it all. Uh, one thing I, I have learned, though, that's not really related to what we're talking about, uh, but you get this weird sense when you're on Facebook all the time and people are posting about their lives that you're actually close to a bunch of people. Uh, and in all reality, you're not because the second you get off Facebook, you don't see any updates on their lives and kind of forget about those people. Um, it just, I don't know, for me, it makes me to be a lot more intentional about the relationships that do matter to me and to engage in them and then realize the relationships that actually don't matter to me. I thought they did because I saw updates from people all the time, but in all reality, I have no desire to reach out to any of them and continue a relationship. Um, which is, you know, all relationships have a season, so it's it's okay for things to die. Um, and they got relationships yeah, that last. Well, you know, well a, when a you lifetime. slowly, when you accept, sorry if you hear a little bit of upset in the background, but when you, you know, when you have twenty friend requests and just accept them all, it's like, you know, then that's just an unreasonable number, let alone five hundred or a thousand people or whatever. Like you can only keep up with with so many people um, and you can only have your yeah. opinion matter to people who you're actually invested in, you know, um, like that's when you're supposed to say like, Josh, am I making the right choice? Like, is this good? Is this honoring to God that those type of questions, but they happen inside of actual relationship and they definitely don't happen in the comment yep. section, you know, <laughs> like no. that's, that's not the place. No. I think that. it, I think it feeds something inside of us. I mean, it's some kind of like a euphoria or something where yeah. um, when you have those conversations, it feels like relationship, um, but it's an empty relationship. It's the same thing we talk about when we talk about relationship with Jesus, right? You can do all the right things in terms of being a good Christian. I mean, it can feel like um, you're connected, but the second something bad happens or turmoil shows up and everything starts to crumble, you realize there's no actual foundation there. I think it'd be the, it's this like relationships, relationships. So it'd be the same principles that play it well at, you know, as well of, you know, we feel like we're close. We feel like you have a real relationship. We're, we're having conversation with people. Um, but in all reality, it's a pretty empty relationship. You know, I don't see you face to face. We just see posts. Uh, and the other like weird part of it all is like, um, <laughs> there's this like, uh, when, when people are posting on, facebook i would assume like they have a demographic or like a audience in mind of what they're posting about right so like maybe they look at facebook and they just think of all their friends and family as they're posting like you don't even Mm -hmm. come into their mind um and yet you're reading something and you're like oh we're growing a relationship and it was never intended for you in the first place Um, so there's that piece of it too or you know you're you're a you know single woman trying to find a man and all your poster or uh, fishing, and you're just out there trying to get get some interactions. And sorry, I just read oh, man. I just not read it. I watched a video on that earlier uh, this That's week. Funny. <laughs> you're like, what? That's funny. Men do it yeah. too. They they post things yeah. to Instagram because they want one individual to see it and respond. Hundred um, percent. Which is just which sounds exhausting, my friends. If that's you out there, stop. Yeah, stop doing that. Quit it. 
quit that. Yeah. Dude, get, where... on the, get on the dating apps instead. I'm uh, yeah. just kidding. Yeah. Where do does miserable. <laughs> I don't know. It works for some people. Just so be very selective about which dating app you're using if you're gonna do that. Well, um, I, I jumped on the Tinder and I was swiping right <laughs> on everyone. And the only people like either Tinder hates me and you know only ugly people swipe back. I don't know. It, I was very disappointed in <laughs> never getting on that app again. I want That's my money back. That's probably not one you should uh, you should be. No, not using, Tinder. Is it? <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> there was a lot of like people just wanted like pictures of my private parts, and I was like, I don't want to do that. But I just thought it came out territory. Dude. So I was just like, maybe you maybe should this try what farmers like. Try farmersonly.com. Like I, you, I was on the the what's the J <laughs> J J date? I was on the J date. I don't know. Um, I don't know. for a while. And then I realized, oh, this is like for practicing Jews. And I was like, I'm not I'm not that. Dang it. <laughs> Dude, where does it come from? Oh, please. You just said it was in your head. Uh, <laughs> where where does this thing come from where people believe it's my job to defend? Uh, God or Christianity or my church or to or let's not even say a specific thing. It's my job to defend because I'm a follower of Christ. You know, like it's my job to yeah. constantly defend. Where does that even come from? Because it seems to be normal often. I, I don't. I, I think it come from a couple of different places. I think one place is pride <laughs> um, that we have this thing of like we're 100% right all the time so we have to defend our position to be right um, I think it also comes from insecurity um, in the sense that like we're just maybe it's maybe it's disbelief that we that we have in some area of our life and with God and his character um, that we just don't fully believe so we feel the need to constantly defend it or, or pack ideas into that you know lane um, to make ourselves feel better um. I, yeah, I think it come from a lot of different places, but there is this tendency in Christianity in general that we like to we just like to be right. <laughs> um, and it probably comes to some extent of the fact that we we do believe we are right that Jesus is is the only way um, to God. Um, and I would argue that is true, um, not just because of Scripture saying it's true. Uh, but it does, uh, but also because it's Christian history that it's true. And more than that, it's my experience that it's true. Um, so those are three things that are going to be really hard to convince you otherwise of. But uh, I think there's that piece of it too, because we have the truth. I think we feel this need to correct people when they don't have the truth. And I think this is why like the, and I'll, I'll use this term and I'm not using it in a political sense, just in a, generality of of thought but there's like this in the liberal line of of the world a liberal world view of things um, i think that's why it's so strong the idea that let your truth be your truth um, lives yeah. in that 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 vein um because it's just in a direct uh affront to to the conservative viewpoints which is like there is one single truth um and we hold on to that truth um, but we're very inflexible um, on the aspects of that truth that are still in the gray. Like we hold on to them as, um, but you see this too. Like it's like since the Protestant Reformation, so when the the Protestant movement separated from the Catholicism mm-hmm. um, through Luther, like the church has split like thirty eight hundred times or something like that. Seriously? I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but wow. it's well over well over three thousand. Wow. Um, and I think it comes down to that too of like we just feel this need that we're 100% of the, we're not okay with like this gray areas of of theology. Mm-hmm. So we have yeah. to put our lines in the sand and demand people to be with us probably because of our insecurity, I would assume. Um and you know yeah. it's really hard for us to disagree with people. Yeah. Like and we're not I okay guess- with being in a relationship where we disagree. Maybe to add to that like there's this, you know, a lot of people will use a disclaimer when they share something on a social media site of, I don't agree with 100% of what whoever says, you know, of whoever's thing or thought they're sharing. 
but I agree with this one, you know, or, but this is insightful or whatever people say. Um, but like, do you ever have to agree with 100% of it? What anybody says, like, um, every church I've been a part of, even the one I'm a part of now, I'm like, I don't actively disagree with every small piece of, of things that the church considers to be theology, but I'm not in 100% alignment with all of it. I'm, I'm close and I'm in alignment on all the major stuff. And by major stuff, I mean like, who is Jesus? (laughs) What is the gospel? Um, do I believe that, that this church is doing the very best they can to live out, um, you know, loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving their neighbors as themselves. Do I believe they're trying to live those things out? Yeah. But like you go into like the minutia of, you know, what a, what happens once you swallow communion? Does it become blood and, and wine in your belly or does it not? Like there there's things like that belief that I'm like, I just I just can't really uh, worry about that. Like, I don't feel the need to believe 100% perfectly of every small stance, I guess. Um, But maybe, maybe it's common or it seems like it might be common that a lot of people feel that way of like, I got to be in 100% alignment or 100% against it. And I got to tell everybody if I'm against it. So I don't know. Well, the the other thing, like the church used to be really good at this dichotomy. I think that's the right word here. If not, um, don't correct me and just let me think I'm smart. Um, but I, like up until, um, so we had the, the, um, the apostles creed that was written from, um, well, at least the first gathering of, of its rendition came from, you know, all the different factions of Christianity at the time. So Eastern Orthodox and, um, Roman Catholic for what existed in that moment um, and them coming together and agreeing to disagree on a majority of theology, but holding true to these single principles to hold true to this is, and I think it's good. It would be good for the church to get back to that mentality of, yeah, we mm. can agree to disagree on things that don't matter uh, as much as, you know, this is salvation. This is the gospel. And for the gospel mm-hmm. to be the gospel, these other attributes have to be true. Meaning, yeah. you know, God is God. Jesus was God. You know, the Holy spirit is the the mediator between us and Christ. Um, to get to the gospel of Jesus was who he said he was, did mm-hmm. what he said he was going to do. Um, and, you know, we find salvation through Christ alone. So as long as we can agree on those things, everything else becomes debatable. So women in leadership, mm-hmm. do you accept or not mm-hmm. accept it? I think it's a debatable topic. Yeah. Um, as I've dug into that topic recently, like I think both positions are weak. <laughs> like I don't know what position yeah. you take. Um, I, I think there's Missions, a lot of like, is it, is it only local or only global, you know, or is it a blend of both? Like, I don't know. <laughs> is that something you should die on the hill of? I don't think so. You know? Yeah. Baptism even. I would argue baptism mm-hmm. as well. Like it's not a it's not a salvation issue. Um, so how it's done, I think could be debatable. Now I mm-hmm. sure I have a view on how it should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would argue it's Jesus' view, so I'm right. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but like can That's it be why done you different? Release ways? a dove yeah. at every baptism, I would argue. right? You release a dove if you're like, every, we want it to be like Jesus. Well, we've, we've installed like the God voice. So when someone is baptized, there's a moment of like, this is my son. This is Dude, my daughter. Pro tip. If you ever need to save budget on your baptism doves, uh, throw a little elastic around one of their um, one of their legs and just, you know, tie it to a post. You let that bird fly, reel it back in. Let it fly, reel it back in. You know, good for three, four, five baptisms before it... Uh, you know, yeah, but you, do, you are then responsible for like feeding it in between baptisms. That seems like a lot more work. I say just let it go and hope for the best. I would assume Amazon has doves. You just get on and buy them. Um, and probably, else. probably. Oh man, I'm just kidding. By the way, if you're listening and you're like, "That's a great idea," and I wouldn't like, try that. Um, Don't try that. If you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, "That's a great idea," we have so many other problems. <laughs> Josh and I have failed. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Use your yeah. brain, folks. Well, I think that's yeah. the other scary part, too. Like, even though we're joking about it, like people using their brain scares people. Yeah. Because what happens if hmm. they come up with a, 
a defense or an idea that I can't defend myself. Um, yeah. So going back to like circling all the way back around to this, this lie that we believe that it's our job to defend God. Yeah. Um, like I, I think that probably plays a, a big part in it as well is we we're scared. We're not going to be able to defend the position that we've chosen to take probably because it's not a position that we did the work on. You know, we did the work to take. It's a position somebody taught me at some point and I just mm-hmm. believed it to be true. Um, and now people start to poke at those things and your foundation of your, your faith starts to crumble um, because you put your faith on so many things that youth, you, you've come to realize isn't defendable. And I would yeah. argue there's, there's very few things about my faith that I wouldn't be open to uh, expose, like talking about even not even having an answer to, except mm. for salvation, right? So like mm. the gospel itself is the one thing that's going to hold true. And it's the foundation of, of Christianity, right? The Absolutely. death and resurrection of Jesus yeah. Christ is the foundation yeah. of Christianity, not scripture. Yeah. And I know that's mm-hmm. hard to hear. And for a lot of us, we're yeah. like, what do you mean it's not scripture? Um, it's it's not. The Bible's important. The Bible plays mm-hmm. a role in our faith. It is the recorded yeah. words of God. Um, so, you know, thankfully yeah. we have them. But the reality is if the Bible did not exist, Christianity would continue to, to flourish um, because mm-hmm. we're not built on scripture. We're built on yeah. the recorded or we're built on, you know, the resurrection in, uh, of Jesus Christ. Um, that's yeah. the thing that changed everything. Um, so anything outside of that, yeah. Uh, I cannot know about it, and I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, um, you could we could dig into. Well, let me prove how creation, you know, was actually thousands of years and not mm. okay. Um, I think you're wrong. I think I have some proof to prove that you're wrong. But uh, if I didn't, and I didn't uh, have the knowledge in those areas, and you came out with me with all your, you know, um, fake science uh, and using big words where I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just confused. And now you're like, well, everything must be wrong because creation was wrong. And if that piece of the Bible is wrong, all pieces of the Bible are wrong. Um, right. And that's just, it's just, it's crazy talk. Yeah. Um, now it is I would argue talk. everything in scripture is true. Um, how it happened and how it's recorded. It, it is true. Um, but it's not foundational to my faith that it's true. Uh, hmm. I think it's all defendable. I think, you know, using creation, I think, you know, seven days of creation, it's a defendable scientifically um, in some areas. And there's areas we can't defend because we just don't know. But what you'll learn really quickly about the opposite view um, in the evolution camp is, you know, though they say things as fact, a lot of their belief is still just belief. Um, it's it's not it's not factual like like we like they like that side likes to present it. Mm hmm. Um, so it's that piece of like, even if I didn't know enough about creation and about the science behind it, um, then you know, even in those moments, um, I could still stand firm in my faith because my faith is found in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, not yeah. um, whether yeah. or not I have the ability in that moment to defend. So going back to is yeah. it your, your job to defend, it's not your job to defend. Um, it, and that's it why isn't. it's a faulty view. No, it isn't your job to defend. And just to add to what you, you just said, I mean, what is your view of God? You know, do you actually believe that, that God, um, is, is the one who you were talking about creation. So created all life, created all, all material, all matter we see. Was that God or was it a spark of, of happenstance chance that, somehow one thing became two things become became everything you know like and i'm not saying that to belittle people who who have that view more i'm just saying like who is god is he actually is god the one actually in control of all things actually uh over all things actually all powerful all knowing all present everything you know is that god or is uh, is God in, in maybe a corner <laughs> or does God have limits that you somehow don't have, or you and I don't have, um, is God big or is he small? Like, is he, is he close in relationship or is he far away? Cause when you start to think about those questions, it's like all the moments, all the things where you're like, it's my job to defend God. Um, that actually might mean that you're you're thinking of God as as being a lot smaller than he really is or a lot weaker than he really is or a lot less present than he actually is um man i've I've told 
you this once or twice, but my almost three-year-old has asked me the question a bunch of times, where is God? You know, because um, we pray, we talk about God, we read the Bible, her Bible stories, which by the way, kids, Bible stories are are the best. Um, <laughs> if you haven't read the Bible in a long time, just read a children's Bible. They're great. They get, they get at the core in a whole lot less words. And uh, they might represent kind of how people initially passed down the oral traditions of the Bible uh, more clearly anyway. But that's neither here nor there. Um, anyway, she'll be like, hey, where is God? And I'm like, everywhere. He's here right now. She's like, no, I can't see him. Where is he? And I'm like, well, he's in this thing. He's in that attribute. He's in the way we think and pray and speak and hear. And like, God is present. He doesn't, you can't see him like you and I see one another right now, but he's present, you know? And if I didn't have that belief, um, then I might might come back with an answer of like, he's sitting on a throne in heaven somewhere that we can't see, but maybe one day we will, you know? And and when you frame God up that way, then you and I have different responsibilities or, or maybe he doesn't even care what we do. I don't know. So um, your conception of God, your beliefs about who he is, what he does, where he is, how he functions, all of that, like it makes a, has a massive difference on whether or not you believe it's your job to defend God. Um, last thing you and I are, man, we're a lot weaker, smaller than God. The creation, creation, you and I, uh, is not the creator. We can't be the creator. I can go and make something out of wood. The wood can't ever do that, you know? And in that same, I could go and make a really bad pot with clay because I'm not good at doing stuff with clay but the clay could never make a pot of itself. You know, it's simple analogy, but but it's true and it's true to us. And maybe we don't want to think about it that way because we don't like being humble and we like thinking, hey, I have the spark of divinity from God, this mark in my character and in my very being that he imbued in us. Um, so that means I am God. It's like, whoa, whoa, no, you're the created. I'm the created by God. We are not God. There's a world of difference in between. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's not your job to defend. It's not my job to defend. And I'm not perfect at this, by the way. Josh and I are both uh, pretty argumentative people when we believe something is wrong. Um, <laughs> we both uh, kind of enjoy that aspect of life, maybe to a fault. And uh, even with that being said, so it's not our job political to defend God. Because we yeah. thought it'd be fun. <laughs> to argue, but we just felt like if we had a political podcast and a Jesus podcast, it's sending the wrong sending message the out there. And absolutely wrong message. And we like to be employed places and having political podcast oh, if it's true, not too. your full-time employer is a bad idea, probably. <laughs> yeah. It occurred that's to probably me. true. Uh, definitely occurred that's to me. Smart. Anyway, yeah, dude, day, it's not your job to defend God. Podcast. We'll see. Maybe. It'd be fun. Um, Who knows? Well, and it's so important too. Just right along the lines of what Andrew's saying, like it's so important that we we fish out the bad or faulty views or faulty attributes that we are attributing to God because it it creates so much havoc uh, in our lives and havoc in in how we interact with people and how we interact with God or our expectations of God, um, right? Like, uh, I, I was I'm in a group and we we met last night and we we started this conversation around. Like what happens um, when what happens when your life isn't turning out the way that you thought it would, right? And you start to go in this weird world's weird spiral, and the spiral ends up being, um, I want this to happen this way. It's not happening this way. It's actually happening the opposite of this way, and this is hurtful. Um, God is in control. God could step in, but He's not stepping in. Um, so God must hate me, right? Um, like that weird spiral that we find ourselves in. Uh, it's the, you know, in the theological world, we call it the problem of evil. Um, why does it, why can a good God allow evil to exist in this world? Uh, yeah. And all religions try to explain it. Uh, Muslims, Buddhists, all try to explain the problem yeah. of evil. Um, most, I would say, are lacking um, in, in answering that question. Um, why is there evil in the world? 
Um, I think Christianity gets to the closest to answering the question, but yet, you know, as Andrew said, we're not God. And I think there's more to this. So there's still some gray area in it, but um, like evil exists in the world because sin still exists in the world. Um, I'm not getting what I want, even though yes, God is sovereign and God could intervene, but the reality is God doesn't intervene um, because he still allows choice. He still allows humanity to make a choice to choose to follow him or not follow him um, or choose to sin against man or not sin against man um, and, and cause harm. Well, sin is destructive and our lives are going to be destructive uh, if we choose to participate in sin and our lives are going to be destruct, you know, destructive in ways when other people choose to participate in sin against me. Um, so sin still exists and sin, sin still rules the world. Like that's the reality of it. And it's going yeah. to rule the world until Jesus you know, returns um, because choice still exists. Mm-hmm. So you live in that dichotomy and like now there's this piece of like, um, well, if sin still rules, what bad things are going to happen to you? Actually, um, Jesus says that, you know, because you follow me, the world is going to hate you and bad things are going to happen to you. Right. Uh, right. So there's that reality that plays into this too. And I think we, we get into this weird place of applying, man, I'm going all over the place now. Um, let me bring in some other pieces because I think it comes into the conversation. Old covenant. Okay. So you sparked, before Jesus. You sparked one. Can I just share one practical thing yeah, yeah. Uh, of, of like, Okay, and then we'll go back to Old Covenant because I'm sure the train you're going down is or the trail is going to be a good one. But <clears throat> this idea of it's your job to defend. Let me name a few issues that uh, people might have defended or thought about defending or thought about uh, whatever. Uh, politics, presidential politics, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, uh, QAnon, uh News sources, um, gay marriage, uh, abortion, all of these things are like, you know, they talk about wedge issues in, in politics, but let's be real. They're wedge issues in, in life and in culture. Um, all yeah. of those things. Just as you were saying that, I can feel are. my heartbeat increasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Cause you're like, where are you going? But let me just say. If if any of those, if one of those, if any other similar things just makes your heart beat race and makes you say, I need to tell everybody they're wrong or everybody this is what I think, or I need to push this so hard in every platform I can, I would encourage you to just like pause this podcast, take a practical step of saying, God, I really care about blah, 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 whatever the issue is. I really care about this view of that. And I really feel like I need to go out and defend it or bring others to my side or whatever, like have that talk with God real clear. And you can, you can even say it as passionately or more than you would say on Facebook or Twitter or anywhere else, have that talk and then be like, God, what, where does that come from in me? Why do I care so much about that? And take some time and listen and see what he shows you. Like, why do you care so much about any issue <laughs> that I just listed or that other people argue about. Why do you care so much about that? Ask God to reveal that to you. Then once he does, then say like, okay, well, like, what do you want me to do about it? How can I honor you with, with my stance in this? How can I do something to live my life differently to affect this? Or how can I witness to people in a real deep sense out of relationship about this or you know like i believe our god's big enough that that he can take whatever stance you're passionate about and if you're humble about it and and gracious about it and open to following god with it that he can turn that energy and use it for positive uh for his kingdom that he can use it to to work in you and through you um and that might not look like uh, it might not come out on the other end looking like, great, I just need to blast everybody on Facebook who has a different opinion than me. And when I say might not, I mean, I think it definitely wouldn't actually. Um, but humbly go before God with the things that make your heart beat extra fast and say like, God, where's this coming from in me? Because it's probably ultimately from a place of good that God put in you the way he constructed you. Um but he could turn that energy and use it for his purposes and his plan and his path in your life. But 
But if you're unwilling to take that step and you just stop on the, I'm going to hit somebody else over the head with this, I don't think that's going to be positive. I don't think that's going to go anywhere good. So get practical, take a minute, and the things that you want to defend about God or the stances you want to defend, how about we just get better at submitting those to God and taking some time to dwell there and hear what he might do through us and in us uh, in us, and then maybe through us with that passion. That was my how to get practical about this. So any thoughts no, on that good. or straight into old covenant? Um, <laughs> straight into old covenant <laughs> no, for you. That's good. Well, <laughs> well, now my old covenant thing doesn't really fit, uh, but uh, I'll say sorry, it anyways, I think it's helpful. Uh, under the old covenant, there was a principle of blessings and cursings right with the with the israelites when they were walking with god they were blessed when they were walking uh, away from god they were cursed um, and oftentimes overcome by another country um, or another people group uh, and that was that was true of then um, under the new covenant because forgiveness has been entered into the picture grace has been entered into the picture on a much grander scale um, than under the old covenant blessing and cursing does not exist can't find it anywhere um and I would argue the opposite of even if you're walking with Jesus, um, there's a better chance that you're going to experience what yeah. we quote unquote call cursing uh, in our lives. Um, Jesus was very clear about that. This world will hate you because you're mine. Um, so get used to it. Um, but I think oftentimes when we look at the circumstances of our lives, that they're going not how we want them to. We think that we're outside of God's will for some reason. Um, now there's consequences to our sin, right? Consequence in the sense that sin is destructive. Practice sin is still going to be destructive. Um, it's going to destroy relationship, um, and, and all those types of things. So yes, there's still consequences from, it's not a cursing. It's just the consequence to your behavior. Um, not that God is intervening or introducing new consequences to teach you a lesson. They're just the natural consequences that are going to happen because of sin. Um, and from a blessing standpoint of good things happening to you, Jesus is clear that it does. He not even bless those that don't follow him. The answer is true. Like, yes, he does. Um, so like, who are we to say that because you're being blessed that you're in line with God. Um, so we can't use, I, I say all that to say this, you can't use those as signs on whether or not um, you're in line with Jesus or out of line with Jesus. Um, circumstance of life or circumstance of life, in a lot of ways, they're um, not connected to whether or not you're walking with Jesus. At least they're not connected in the way that we think they would be. Um, so you have to be really careful with yourselves and, and how you run down those roads. Um and, and end up in those places where you're like, well, God must not be in the midst of this, or God's not for me, or God is 100% for me because these things are happening. And I asked him to do this and he's doing it. So God, God's with me. Um, so I could be an ass because I'm right. Um, you know, right. circling back to, to the conversation at hand, right? There's that piece where it's like, yeah, it, it isn't that I would argue the only thing that we really can hold on to on whether or not we're walking with Jesus in relationship with Jesus is, do you see more fruit of the spirit in your life than yeah. you did before? And the fruit of spirits defined in, in Galatians, um, you know, peace, patience, kindness, selfish, selflessness, self-discipline. I'm making things up now. Love, uh, joy, peace, there patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Boom. Look at that. Look at that, Barb. You hear that, Barb? Your son remembered it. Dude, it was written um, around the kitchen, man. How could I forget? I know, right. But that? yeah, that's the evidence, right? Like, are you growing in these things? Yeah. yeah. That's the only, that's really the only evidence you're going to really be able to hold on to from a, from a um, factual, I guess, standpoint. Um, at least some firm something to hold on to. Um, yeah, I think that's helpful. But I, I think so often um, that we as Christians think that we just suck as Christians. I would argue mm. probably that's the majority viewpoint. Yeah. Um, and because of that, um, we feel this need to defend our position um, because mm. there's like this this underlying, I'm just horrible, so I got to do something. Or I'm yeah. horrible, so I have to hide that something and I have to mm. defend things. Um, and you just get, get in weird, 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 weird places um, really fast. Yeah. Um, so yeah. boiling all this down, is your job to defend God? No, God is more than capable of defending yes. himself. <laughs> like he, he doesn't is. need your help. Um, and the other part of it is like, how are you going to defend him? Argue. And how many times has an argument 
ended up in a good place where you convinced that other person uh, right. of your viewpoints. Right. Like 0.0003%, um, the death rate of, of COVID. Um, sorry, that was political all of a sudden. <laughs> didn't mean for it to be. Um, what? Thank you. It, should, it shouldn't even be, COVID, though. Come on. COVID political. Yeah. Um, Let's just quit but, making a stand on everything. It sh- <laughs> should just be a stat. It's like, come on. Like, why do we, we just divide, uh, man. And I'll, let me, do. I'm, I know I'm jumping in on your thought and it's not about your COVID stats. I just think like, I think that when we as Christians jump into defense um, or offense, if we're being real, um, it's, we might think of it as we're defending something about God or, or we're defending a stance or whatever. Most of the time it's just like, we're swinging haymakers at other people and calling it defense. You know, we're like, let me hit you before you can hit me or let me make sure this one hurts. So you won't hit me next time. And it's like, God doesn't need that. And, and more than that, I think that the enemy of God, Satan, the enemy of us, Satan, I think he smiles when we do that. I think he's like, wow, I'm doing a great job. I'm, I'm dividing these people. I'm getting them to fight and fight and getting them to, um, say they represent God, but actually, you know, and their social media presences or by the people that know them best, they actually are just known for what they're against and not what they're for. You know, I'm, I'm breaking down unity. Um, and I think that's his goal is like, how can I make people feel really prideful? <laughs> like I feel like I felt when I rebelled against God talking, the eye is like Satan's point of view. How can I make them feel really prideful? And how can I disunify them as much as possible? Because if I can do those things, they're probably not going to be very focused on the kingdom of God. Probably not going to be very focused on like real life change relationship with Jesus. Like you've been talking about Josh. It's like, those are a couple of the tools in this tool belt that man, they gotta be, I'd say they're some of the top most pervasive things that are in our culture in the U S is like, constant bickering and infighting and disunity. Like you said, the church having like 3,800 divisions since the reformation. It's like, that doesn't speak of unity. Like how could we, how could we live differently and, and more honestly um, in a little bit of humility with one another to where we can say, do we agree on the gospel? Like we agree on that. Okay. We can talk about, we can figure out our differences on other things, but let's focus on that and let's focus focus on how we can live this out and bring others into it. Because I think the more you do that, the less over time you actually care about all the other small things that you, or, or maybe just the smaller those other things become of like the differences, the, yeah. the, the less energy you actually care to put towards those if you're focused on living out your faith in a real way. Uh, in in every facet of your life. So I don't know. I know that's only one of the points we were going to talk about, but man, it just <laughs> seeing Facebook as a dumpster fire last night and, yeah. and the reminder of why I shouldn't spend much time on there. Um, and then yeah. this idea of it's your job to defend. I'm just like, man, it's, it's not, <laughs> it shouldn't be, it's not supposed to be. Yeah. God's bigger than that. Anyway. And to tag on, and to tag on what you're saying, like, um, man, unity matters so much in the church. Um, and I I should say unity matters to Jesus so much in the church to the point that he said, you'll be known, um, by how you love one another. Like your unity is your defining piece of of this community. It does not matter in the church today. We just choose to draw a new line and, and run in that one lane. Um, and unfortunately that's sad. Um, but to have unity means you will disagree on certain things and that's okay. Um, I think you have to define in your head what's essential. I mean, be very, um, be very specific on what's essential and do the work to figure out what's actually essential and what's not essential. Um, you know, I said earlier, baptism to me is not essential on how it's done. Um, now, I think scripture is clear on how it should be done and how it was demonstrated, but I can agree to disagree. Um, as long as we agree on the gospel and what the gospel is, as long as we agree on who um, God is, who Jesus is, who's, who the Holy Spirit is in the Trinity, I think we can agree on the rest of it or disagree on the rest of it. Um, 
you know, whether or not I have women elders, I'm going to agree to disagree on it. Um, uh, certain versions of the Bible is the only version you preach through. We can agree to disagree on it. Um, so I, I think if we take those stances and we hold to just the essentials as the core of, of our commonality, um, just like the early church did with the Apostles' Creed, everything else can be up um, for debate. We can agree to disagree on, on the rest of it. Um, and I think that's the only way you're going to come to unity is agreeing to yeah. disagree on some things. And I know that's yeah. hard to hear. It's hard for us to live in that. Um, but that's the reality of it. Like that's the only way you come to unity is, is you're going to have to agree to disagree on some things and that's okay. Uh, yeah. as long as they're not essential. Now, if you're going to come in and say, you know, no, as long as you're a really good person, you know, uh, then, then you're, you're all set. Um, well that, that goes against my essential belief. Like we can't, we can't play that game cause you're going to lead people to, you're going to lead people away from salvation rather to salvation. Uh, yeah. like we're going to have a problem with that. Um, I would argue that an essential belief is God is about relationship because the great commandments are about relationship. That's an essential mm-hmm. belief. Um, if you think that Christian faith is about anything other than that, um, I'd probably have a problem with it. Uh, but mm-hmm. outside of that, there's probably not a lot of other essential beliefs that I wouldn't be okay with saying, yeah, we're going to agree to disagree. Now, some of those might be hard, like yeah. an upbreeding where like, yeah, there's certain things that are really going to bother me, um, but I'm going to choose to hold my tongue for the sake of relationship and for the sake of unity. Now, if there's an opportunity where we can have healthy debate about it um, in a respectful way, yeah, let's debate about it. Let's talk about it. I think that's all great. Um, But if it's to draw lines in the sand and say, you're out and only these people are in that believe it this way. Yeah. Yeah. That's not unity. You're doing the opposite of of what Christ commanded us. And, um, you know, we're never going to get to that place. And I think that's where this belief comes from. That's creating so much is there's this need to defend God's positions on things. And even inside the church, like let's not even bring in the conversation of everything outside of the church, uh, the world and how we have to feel this need to defend, mm-hmm. you know, God's position compared to what, what the world thinks is true or is relative. Dude, as you uh, were saying, just inside the church. Oh, sorry. You finished your thought. My bad. Um, I don't remember what the rest of my thought was. You already yeah, interrupted yeah. me and I've lost it. <laughs> sorry. No, I, I thought I was being patient and waiting, but no, as you good. were as you were saying that, and maybe this could, I know we've, we're a little bit late and we both got to run shortly. Um, but you, something you said in there sparked the, the story of, um, of the woman caught in adultery and how Jesus, uh, handled that. And I didn't look it up in my Bible exactly where it's found, but I think it's in all of the, all of the gospels where, Basically, Jesus comes up on the scene of a woman who had been caught in adultery. And in the Jewish custom at this time was when that happens, the woman is stoned to death publicly. Like rocks are hurled at a person until they die or until they're maimed that they're so close to death and and everybody knows what happens for the rest of their life. You know, it's like pretty terrible, <laughs> really. Um, so he walks into the scene where the stoning is about to happen. And this woman probably in hysterics is, you know, I would think screaming cause she knows what's coming. And there's, there's a bunch of people, bunch of dudes there um, ready to throw some stones quite literally. Um, so Jesus, like they, they recognize him as a teacher of the law, a rabbi, a person of like extremely high regard in, in the Jewish society. And he basically intervenes and, um, does so with kind of some quiet authority. I don't think he walks in shouting, stop, stop, stop. I think he just walks in and, and kind of, you could hear like a metaphorical pen drop is how I read it, where everybody stops what they're doing because it's intense what they're about to do. They take a minute, step back and they look at him as a rabbi, as a teacher of, of God's word. And he squats down and quite literally starts writing you know, on, in the dirt and the sand below them. And a lot of scholars think he was writing out the sins that all of the people that were about to stone this woman, that they haven't been caught in, but that he was aware of, like he's writing out these things. And maybe that's not what it was, but that's the interpretation I've heard. Um, and one by one, the people who had these rocks that were about to throw them at the woman drop their stones and kind of saunter away or like, you know, exit stage left quietly. 
um, until it's just Jesus and the woman standing there. And per Jewish culture at that point, highest rabbi, he has the chance, like honored rabbi, he could pick up stones and just start throwing them. And, uh, and instead he looks up at the woman and says like, where are your accusers? Um, they're gone. You know, she's like, they're gone. It's like, okay, now go and sin no more, you know, like go like experience this grace. I just showed you, I intervened quite literally saved your life. Now go and sin no more and like turn from this behavior, go and live your life for God instead of living your life for this sin, you know, um, or whatever sins got you there. And it's just this like grace incarnate and like, you know, Mm. it's so applicable to social media, it's so applicable to the way we think it's so applicable to the way we speak. It's like, what chances do we have to go and intervene and, and show grace, you know, instead of being the one throwing the stone. Cause anybody can do that if you're worked up enough, you know? Um, yeah. but how do you step in from this place where you're like, no, I'm going to intervene and I'm going to like actually show grace. So, um, yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a that's loose good. interpretation of what Jesus did, but, um, yeah. but I think it's a good metaphor I was to, reading, to think about. I was reading, um, Hebrews mess or Googling right now. I'm pretty sure it's Hebrews 12, um, where, uh, the Hebrew writers talking about, um, the similar idea of, well, kind of a similar idea. It's related. I promise I'll come back around. Um, yeah. but there's this idea that like, here, here was your example of how to live this life. It was, it was Christ lived for, you know, 33 years here on earth. Um, use that example as, as your source. Um, and there's a lot of things that Jesus did that, that turned even the religious community upside down. Right. Um, yeah. Like there's that piece of it as well. Um, so like Jesus showed grace in that moment um, with the woman and, and the stoning. Um, so what do we do? We choose to show grace. Was the yeah. woman in the wrong? 100%. Like that, everybody yeah, knew sin. it. It's defined yeah. sin. We know mm-hmm. that sin. There's no secret that it's sin. Um, nope. But do we show grace in the moment? Yeah, 100%. We show grace because that's the right. That's the right response. Um, I think you're never going to be wrong if you choose to show grace. And then you're like, well, what happens? I just keep showing grace over and over again, and they keep sinning and sinning. Okay, they keep sinning and saying, "What's your? How's that your problem?" Right? Yeah. Like Jesus does the life change, not you. Um, and yeah. they don't even do the life change if they're choosing not to walk with Jesus. They're choosing not to walk with Jesus. Like. Yeah. What does that have anything to do with you? Well, it's hurting me and the people around me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Point it out to them, like speak truth, but like, it's still their decision to make as they want to make it show mm-hmm. grace. I think you're going to be mm-hmm. okay. Um, you know, Jesus says, how many times do we forgive? We forgive a buttload. That was the point of that whole conversation. Yep. Uh, a number that is beyond our ability to forgive mm-hmm. uh, or to stop. Forgiving, yeah. Right. Like we just keep forgiving. Is that hard? Yeah. 100% it's hard. Does it benefit them? No, not really. Forgiveness is for you. So either you hold on to it and let that run your life for the next 15, 20 years, or you choose to forgive and move on and let it all go. Um, Does it really matter? Um, But but Josh, it's my kid and he's pissing me off and making me look bad. (laughs) Okay. I don't don't know what to tell you. Um, Like, sorry. um, But like, forgive anyways. Like, what's the harm in that? Show mercy, show Mm -hmm. grace. Um, It's okay. it's probably really your pride at play anyways, because they're making you look bad. Um, like, let's be honest. Right. It's what more most concerned about are. the other people they're looking me, than yeah. you are about your kid. So yeah. come on now. My mom's group's yeah. going to think I'm a horrible mom. It's okay. They probably already do. Just get over it. You think the same of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Show grace and mercy. You'll be fine. I promise. Show um, grace. We choose like, that's a community that's attractive when we live yeah. in that. We show grace yeah. and mercy. Speak truth. Mm-hmm. Don't stop speaking truth. But nope. you speak truth and grace and mercy is a different way. And then speaking truth and, and let's be honest, pride and hate is really mm-hmm. where we like to speak most of our truth because it makes us feel better uh, about ourselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, choose, choose to show grace, choose to show mercy, um, yeah. fight for unity. And the mm-hmm. unity means at times you're going to be, you're going to disagree with each other, probably on big issues. And it's mm-hmm. okay as long as they're not essential issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, those are some faulty views. Uh, there's other faulty views that we didn't cover yeah. and we probably won't cover. But hey, when yeah. the hope study comes out, you can always buy it. 
and cover it yeah. together with with friends, um, people that yeah. love Jesus and love you in that order. Um, that's how the Hope Study is designed. I actually just started building the website for it, and uh, nice. we're not hel- se- selling the Hope Study by itself. Um, you yeah. don't get to buy just one copy of the Hope Study. You have to buy a minimum of two copies because oh, that's cool. the Hope Study nice. is designed to do in relationship. Yeah. Uh, it also yeah. makes us more money, but that's not the point. It's really just, it's relationship. <laughs> like doing this by yourself is not going to have any impact on your life. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. nothing doing by yourself really has yeah. any major impact on your life. Yeah. Um, it's got to be done yeah. in relationship with Jesus and relationship with others. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Andrew, as always, my, bu- my buddy, I love you. Good to see love you. Love you too, man. Good to see you. Thanks for listening to our show. It really means a lot to us, and we hope that it helps bring you closer to your relationship with Jesus and with other people. And it also helps us out if you rate our podcast or leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also follow us on Instagram and the Facebook. Now, sharing this with your friends isn't just to get the word out of the podcast. We believe that we have the message of hope that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you sharing this has the ability to transform the lives of the people around you. We want to hear from you. You can email us at hello at thisjesuslifepodcast.com. You can message us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can just visit us at thisjesuslifepodcast.com. But seriously, thanks for listening.